Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santarelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, and we like to discuss the details and mention it all. All right, let's get into the episode. So today I'm going to be doing part two of the pursuit of wellness with Dr. Paul Saladino uh, when he was on Mari's show. Although I am going to also talk about another PhD who is kind of debunking some of the things that Dr. Paul was saying. And so I'll get to that in a in a few minutes. I, I do think it's important to kind of show both sides of the issue. And I wanted to do a little bit more research uh, surrounding Dr. Paul because he says some pretty controversial things that I was like, eh, I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, that sounds kind of extreme, you know, on the last one. And so... Anyway, I'll get to that in just a second. First, I wanted to get into some of my segments. Well, first of all, if any of you would like to support the show, you can subscribe to Craving More or Craving More VIP. Those are my two subscription levels where you'll get bonus episodes. Uh, With the regular lower level of Craving More, you get two additional episodes per week. With VIP, you get extra juicy, extra personal um, episodes plus bonus episodes. There'll be video content. So lots of good things coming for those two tiers. So if you're interested in that, you can go to the link in my Instagram bio at the Diet Obsessed Podcast, and that'll take you right there to subscribe. Um, so I also wanted to talk about my I had a pretty good mental health week this week. So for my mental health check-in, it was it was decent. I mean, I've been trying to grow this podcast. So if you enjoy it, please tell a friend. Um, I've been, you know, I, I think I talked about how I was trying to figure out Facebook and start a Facebook page. And so I started doing some ads on Facebook and it's, it's not going well. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm getting flagged. I, I think I'm doing it wrong. So I think I'm just going to kind of step back from that and try to just put out more content, which is what they say that you should do. And I always feel stupid on social media because I I really hate filming myself. And I was just hearing this influencer talk about, actually, it was Taylor Strucker that I sometimes review on this. She's talking about how you have to have video content with with podcasting today. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. So I was just feeling a little bit like frustrated by um, you know, my lack of success in those areas and, and also the fact that I just, I need to put myself out there a little bit more on video content and, and I, and I, I just have to get over the embarrassment of it all. So, so I was a little bit down this week just because I, I, you know, had some setbacks with, you know, figuring out how to grow this thing, but I'm just like, I just kind of got back to like, just have patience with it, Veronica, just kind of keep working at it, you know, take the time to learn new techniques here and there and, you know, just get a little better every day. So mental health is pretty good this week. I hope all of you have had a good mental health week as well. Now for my anti-aging antics segment. So nothing too big here. I've been consistent with my neck rolling. Um, I, I also think I'm still continuing to get really good results from using so much collagen in my coffee every morning. I do have the collagen that I use 
on my website if anyone's interested in checking that out. It's made a huge difference in my skin. So that's at thedietobsessed.com. But I also, so on 816, for any of you that does Botox and fillers, uh, Juvederm is having a buy one, get one free sale on gift cards. So basically you can buy one gift card for $75 and get one free. So I'm going to try to buy as many as I can. And I think it's time to do my lips again. I would like to get a little under eye trough action going because, you know, the last lady that I went to, she just did my cheeks and I'm like, I still have very deep, you know, shadows underneath my eyes. Ultimately, I want to go to Dr. Kasabian. He is on my vision board, but we're not quite there yet. So he's in the future, but the Juvederm sale is next week. So if you are into that, you know, go check it out. All right, now let's get into my Tasty Treats of the Week segment. So let's see. So starting back from last week when I when I taped... Uh, that Friday I had won this contest at work and so we were allowed to basically, it was like a chicken wing contest, which I'm not super into chicken wings, but I'm like, no, I'll get some chicken wings. So we ended up getting a bunch of chicken wings and pizza. So had definitely, uh, some yummy stuff on Friday night. And then on Saturday, what do we do on Saturday? I'm trying to remember. I don't think we did too, too much. I think we, oh, we just Chad and I had a little scooter date after I got out of work and we just went down, had a couple drinks at this uh, Phoenix Brewing Company and I had some pretzel bites with cheese, of course, because I'm addicted to pretzel bites with cheese. Uh, So that was good and um, it was really hot out. But then Sunday, uh, it was his parents' birthday. So so I'd gotten up that day because I wanted to have a healthy day. I did my Pilates class and I had a good healthy start to the week. I did tape my VIP episode last week. So that's going to be posting on the 15th. But I don't know. I, I just started craving some sugar. And because it was their parents' birthday, I decided that it was, I I should make some cupcakes. So I ended up making these strawberry cupcakes with vanilla icing and some sprinkles. And of course they didn't all fit in the pan. So I had to keep, you know, at least like six of them here. And then, you know, I brought them to the dinner and there were some left over. So they, they sent a couple home with us and took a lot home themselves. And so I had those you know, I froze them so I wouldn't eat them all that Sunday night. But um, that did not help this week with my healthy habits. But uh, so I, I don't know, I just I ended up just really feeling the need to make cupcakes. So they were pretty good. I'm not a huge strawberry person, but his parents are more into fruity than chocolate. So I decided to, you know, do that for them. And then let's see. And then I also had a kind of awkward uh, interaction with one of Chad's family members at the dinner, but I'm going to save that for um, for next week when I film or when I tape my Craving More episode, just because there's some stories I want to share behind a paywall, 
And um, this was, it was a fun, it was kind of, it was very awkward, but I just kind of want to share it and get some of my subscribers' opinions on it about, you know, was I in the right? Was I in the wrong? Did I do the right thing? So anyway, I'll, I'll talk about that on my next episode. For those that want to listen, you can subscribe to Craving More. Uh, but the, the dinner itself was, was pretty good. It was at a steakhouse. So I had some filet and some rice and a little bit of corn. Um, and so, oh, they serve this bread and, and of course, like it's sitting there with butter. So I'm going to dig into it as soon as I get there. Oh my God. Do you know, you, you know, when you go to eat something and you're expecting one flavor and it's something completely different you're like, oh, so the butter was like, it was not regular butter. It was a cinnamon sugar butter. So I go in to bite this piece of bread as, you know, expecting delicious, like, you know, creamy butter, you know, maybe a little, little sweet because butter sometimes can be sweet, but I like savory butter. I like to put salt and pepper on my bread after I butter it. And the salt and pepper were just too far away from me. So I was like, let me just take a bite of this bread and butter anyway, just without salt and pepper. And then I got an extra sweet with cinnamon bite. And I'm like, oh, that was not what I wanted in my mouth right now. So, you know, I, I, I do a salty, sweet, salty, sweet kind of thing. But if I'm craving savory, I do not want sweet. Like, it's the last thing that I want. So... So anyway, so that was a little bit disappointing, but the meal itself was was okay. The the fillet was not the best cuts of meat, but um but it was okay. I had, you know, I, I filled up on so much bread that I and Caesar salad that I ended up bringing a lot of it home. So that was good and nice and tasty the next day. So I love a leftover. Um and then yeah, so so I guess that's kind of the end. I mean, I Chad and I just just went out and got a he he bought a bunch of candy last weekend so we just I don't know I I I think I said on my last podcast that I wasn't about to go out and buy a bunch of sugar and then I actually did I went out and bought a bunch of stuff to make all the cupcakes and cookies and stuff like that and Chad went out and bought candy and we ended up eating a bunch of sugar over the weekend so uh, anyway it's it's addicting I love sugar and I can't stop but anyway, those were my tasty treats of the week. Okay, now for my healthy habits segment. So so last week I was so consistent with working out and, you know, I took that really intense Pilates class on Sunday. So by Monday, I had such a crazy busy day on Monday and Tuesday that I actually didn't even work out. And I usually, I mean... Usually you, I want to work out on a Monday, Tuesday, especially if I've had a bunch of sugar and I'm not feeling, you know, great about the weekend. I want to kind of get back on track, get on the treadmill. But my body just felt, well, first of all, I was so busy. I really didn't have a lot of time to work out and I just wanted to get a lot of work done. So I, I just gave myself the day off. I'm like, I'm just going to take the day off and relax a little bit. And then Tuesday I did too. I just, I was really busy. I wanted to get a lot of things accomplished and I just knew like mentally, like mental health wise, I just, if I, if I finished a lot of the tasks that I needed to do, I would just feel lighter for the week and less stressed. And so that I prioritized feeling less stressed over my workout. 
and and I knew Wednesday I'd I'd have a good workout and and I felt like my body really needed a rest anyway. I I've been trying to figure out what's going on with my hip. I I finally finally found I think the spot that I need to foam roll. So I've been doing some foam rolling, but I've been hitting the wrong spot. And I think I finally found the area. It's like my upper hip, but it's like, it's, it's this, it's going all the way down my butt into my hamstring. And it's even just running, walking for 20 minutes is bothering me. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. So I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to roll it out. And I might eventually go see a sports therapist, but I think I found the area. So anyway, trying to focus on more foam rolling, you know, so I can be in less pain when I work out. Um, but I did end up getting back into my workouts yesterday and I just got done running today and I'll probably go for a swim tomorrow or maybe do some kettlebell swings. And then I did end up re-upping on my HelloFresh so I've been going to to Trader Joe's and I'm just like buying the same things and I'm just like getting stagnant. I'm like, it's like I want to cook something, but I'm like, I don't, I don't have the mental capacity to like be creative with what I want to cook. And I don't know. It's just when I go to the grocery store, I'm like, I'm not thinking like, oh, what do I want to make? And what, I mean, I'm thinking about really easy things. Like I'll get soup and I'll get um, you know, like I ended up getting some, some bacon and some sweet potatoes and I'm like, okay, I'll make like a, a sweet potato hash with a little bit of bacon and that'll be high protein and blah, blah, blah. But I, I don't know. I just, I, what I ended up doing was I, cause I, I like to, I like to cook and I, I like to feel like I'm, I'm, you know, taking care of my man a little bit. I know that's very old fashioned, but I also do like to cook for my partner every once in a while. And so I ended up deciding to get HelloFresh again and just to change it up. I I was, the last time I did it, I did it three times a week. This time I'm only doing it twice a week because when I did it three times a week, it became a chore. I'm like, oh God, I got to cook again. And so I think twice will probably be perfect. And so, so I, I ended up getting my first box on Tuesday and it was delicious. It was this chicken and you basically coated it with this honey mustard, and then they gave you some some Monterey Jack cheese and some some like those crunchy, crispy fried onions. And then you coat, you like slather the honey mustard on the chicken, and then coat it with the cheese and the crunchy onions, and then bake it. And they gave you some green beans that you can just like put on the same pan with a little olive oil, salt and pepper. And then the the starch that they gave you with this one, sometimes it's rice, sometimes it's potato, sometimes it's couscous. And this time it was actually like garlic bread. And so it was like a piece of ciabatta bread and buttered it and toasted it right up. And mm, 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 that was such a good meal. It was so damn good. And it's so satisfying. I mean, obviously you're eating bread, you're eating this like crunchy chicken. Mm, so good. And then the next day I cooked, so I ordered a pork chop and it had this like cranberry shallot sauce with um, green beans. I love green beans. And and then it had uh, some potatoes, some roasted potatoes. And this one did not come out as well because I, I don't know. I need to get new pans. I need to figure out the right pans to cook meat in because the ones I use, it's First of all, I hate my stove. I have the worst stove in the world. I want a gas stove. This 
I hate my stove. It's like one of those electric ones where the, it's like the black top where the burners like turn red. It is the worst fucking stove. I hate it. Anyway, um, so, and, and when I put my pan on it, like it doesn't, you know, you drizzle oil, it like runs off onto the side because it, it must not be completely even. And I don't know, this pan that I used, it's like the pork chop stuck to the bottom and ugh, so annoying. And then I, I, I tried to cook too close to going to work. So I was like trying to like show up for work and, and do the sauce. And then by the time, like I, I stepped away for too long and the sauce like burned all to the pan and ugh, it was a disaster. I mean, I, I, I scraped what I could of the sauce, the potatoes all stuck to the stupid freaking, um, I, I must not have used enough oil. Like I thought I put too much oil on the potatoes. So then I put the green beans with them to mix it up and use some, but I think I didn't put enough because I like all the potatoes stuck to the aluminum foil. Like, what am I trying to say? Aluminum foil. Anyway, it, it, I scraped the potatoes, <laughs> the potatoes off the aluminum foil and and ate what I could and it it did taste okay but it was like a fucking mess anyway so the you know and but again it's like a well-balanced meal it's like potato vegetable protein and it's a lot of simple stuff like a lot of the you know recipes they give you it's like one sheet pan and what maybe one other pan besides that so typically 30 minutes to 45 minutes to cook I still end up making a mess. I don't know how, like things just fly everywhere when I'm cooking. But, um, but I did, I do like the fact that I'm going to be able to switch it up, try new things, you know, film a little content for my, uh, Instagram. And so I, I will post, I posted the pretty meal. <laughs> so if you want to go see my pretty meal, it's at the diet obsessed podcast. At, uh, sorry, on Instagram at the diet obsessed podcast. I will post the ugly meal too, probably, even though I'm not proud of it. But anyway, people like to see, you know, when you mess up too. So I'll, I'll post that soon. Anyway, that, those, uh, that sums up my healthy habits and I'm going to try going into this weekend, not eating too much sugar again. So we shall see by next week if I'm successful at cutting down some sugar. Anyway, I hope all of you had some good healthy habits of the week yourselves. I'm realizing I forgot my diet culture media moment, so I do have to share these because they're important and, and listeners need to hear this. So Heather Dubrow from The Real Housewives of Orange County made a TikTok recently where she was like, can you believe with all my children, I've never eaten a chicken tender. And she like takes a bite of a crispy chicken tender and she's like, oh, it's, it's so worth everything. <laughs> and you know what she wanted to say? Like, it's so worth the calories and fat and carb intake. But she stopped herself because she didn't want to sound disordered. But, um, you know, that's what she wanted to say. You know, for a woman her age, she's like, what? She's like in her 50s now. She looks great. And she, you know, she's thin as a rail. No fat on her body. But, um, I mean, you know, she's very disciplined. She's not, I, I would get venture to guess that Heather Dubrow is not taking Ozempic. I think she's just like a wicked disciplined person. 
so anyway, I did recreate the chicken tender bite <laughs> on my own little video. So I will be posting that soon to Instagram to kind of make fun of it. But I just thought that that was notable and worth speaking about. So, and then the other one, so I'm watching uh, Real Housewives of Orange County last night. And after the Watch What Happens Live was on with Andy Cohen. And he had Vicki Gunvalson on. And for any of you that watch The Real Housewives of Orange County, Vicki was like the OG. She got she got off the show for a little bit. Now she's, I guess she's coming back. Oh, MG. She was so skinny. She was so, she lost so much weight from the last time I saw her on the show. She was down, so she was down 33 pounds, I believe. And that she's not doing Ozempic or the, like, she said that she's not doing Ozempic. Of course, she's doing the semaglutide shots. She says that she's using intermittent fasting and that she just has one shake in the morning. She doesn't eat lunch. And then she eats, you know, a sensible meal at night. I call bullshit. I call bullshit, Vicky. Come on. You did not just suddenly, miraculously, when all these semaglutide shots are coming on the market and everybody that's never been thin suddenly is thin. Give me a break. Come on. As if. I call bullshit on that. I'm sorry. There's no way Vicki Gunvalson is not using semaglutide shots. Go check her out if you're curious. Again, I know you're not supposed to comment on, on people's weights. That's why I started this podcast so that this is a safe place where we can do that. I mean, look, if you're gonna lie, I'm sorry. I Again, maybe I shouldn't say this, but come on. People that have never lost this much weight suddenly are able to? Okay, come on. And I, and no shame. Like, I, people need to be honest. Actually, Terry Dubrow was just talking about how people are lying about it even to their own doctors. And they're going under surgery and they're having huge complications. Like, you got to like, tell the truth. There's no shame in it. Like, it's a great tool to use if you want to make the, the journey easier, right? I mean, I'm glad I don't have to spend that kind of money and I'm glad that I don't have to deal with any of the potential side effects. You know, I have my own things that I do that cause potentially harmful side or side effects, like the occasional Adderall I do. Who knows what the fuck that's doing to my body, but I'm honest about it, right? Like, be honest. I, I hate people that don't tell the truth. Anyway, that's just me. And I guess it's medical. People have the right to to keep things private. But it's like, I don't know. I just, I respect people that are just super, super honest and put it all out there, especially if you're a public figure. And, oh, that was the other thing. Oh, my God, there's so much to talk about in this diet culture media moment. Like Erica Jane talking about how she, like, her sudden weight loss is due to menopause. Like women lose weight during menopause. Most women gain weight during menopause. Come on. Now, she may be saying like, oh, I'm going to my doctor and getting hormone replacement therapy. And maybe her doctor is, along with the hormone replacement therapy, is giving her some of these semaglutide shots that she can play dumb about. Who knows? But all these people are not being honest about it. It's crazy. Anyway... One thing you'll always get from me is honesty. I will tell you that. So anyway, those are my diet culture media moments. Okay, so now let's get into the review, the podcast review of Pursuit of Wellness with Mari Llewellyn. So I wanted to do a, a follow-up part two with, with Dr. Paul Saladino. 
Now, after my first episode, my friend Michelle texted me and she's super into wellness. She's, you know, she's very into plant-based eating and living. And so when she heard it, you know, obviously um, it's kind of opposite of what she's doing with her wellness. But she's like, oh, wow, V. She's like, you're kind of getting into the biohacker space with this guy. And she, I mean, she thought it was an interesting episode, but she also said something about, you know, I don't know a lot about this guy, but he is getting sued by someone like that he used to work with or something. And she's like, that's something to look into. So all of a sudden I'm like, oh no, like I, maybe I should have done more research on this guy. And so I started, but I mean, cause I did look up some of the things that he was saying. There was some credibility, there was credibility to it. Like there were studies on it. So So what I did was I did do some, I Googled like what this lawsuit is. And it actually was just this like personal trainer who had written this like kind of carnivore book. Like it was kind of like a, um, you know, the paleo type of ancestral eating and living. So apparently he had written a book and then Dr. Paul had written a book shortly after that was really similar. And so it it almost seemed like Dr. Paul was almost kind of ripping this personal trainer off a little bit. But then, and when the personal trainer started being vocal about it and calling him out and like, you know, trying to expose it all, Dr. Paul ended up suing him. So apparently, and I think that lawsuit got through, got the first lawsuit got thrown out. uh, And then I, I think he's suing him again for something. So I don't, that to me, I mean, that's a little petty, I think to, to, I hate, litigious people in general but um i mean it doesn't it didn't you know it wasn't a positive light necessarily but it wasn't anything that i'm like oh i don't think that necessarily takes credibility away from what he's saying but i started i kind of went down a little bit of a a wormhole last night i forget what i was looking at but it was it was i was on instagram and it was i was looking at comments about his appearance on mari's show and, and it's interesting because, um, you know, like at the end of this podcast, he reviews Mari's products that she makes and, and it was just interesting. You could see like some people in the comments were, you know, supporting what he said. Other people were kind of hating on what he was saying on this podcast. And then one person wrote, Hey, aren't you guys aware that all of this information was debunked by this guy, Lane Norton? Or it was like, uh, it was this website called, what was it called? It was like Bio Norton or something. Biolane, that was it. Biolane. And I was like, what is this Biolane? And and does this even have credibility? And so I started kind of doing a deep dive and like I started reading this Biolane site and and some of the debunking and I was like, oh, interesting. And then I, I looked up who Lane Norton is. Just I'm like, does this person have credibility? And I'm like, oh, yes, he does. So Lane Norton is a really smart guy. He's a PhD himself. And so he's a natural pro bodybuilder, a professional power lifter, a coach, a PhD, and an entrepreneur. I mean, this guy's like no joke. Look, go look at his Instagram. It's it's pretty impressive. 
And he completed a BS in biochemistry and a PhD in nutritional sciences. He honed his intellectual skills under Dr. Donald Lehman, one of the foremost researchers on protein metabolism and fat loss in the world. And when you look at Lane's body, he's like, he's a power lifter. He's, he's just massive and jacked and looks strong. And, and then he also has really good messages. So so one thing is I reviewed this episode, you know, and I and I said it last time too. I don't I don't like the fear mongering. That's kind of my was my synopsis last time. Like it it seemed like he was using a lot of fear to sell his products. That that was my takeaway. And also that everything was so extreme, right? Like that was that was my takeaway. Not that the things that he was saying were necessarily, you know, so you know, crazy and, sh- and, and, and there is, you know, some science backing it up, but I, but I also think it, it's so opposite of the world that we live in today where, you know, there's so many people who have eating disorders and you see a lot of, you know, nutritionists and dietitians kind of promoting how, look, don't overanalyze it. Like if you're eating that, you know, chocolate cupcake or whatever it is that you're eating, who cares? Like, it's not that big of a deal. Don't, you know, don't make it that big of a deal. And, and so when I, when I kind of was deep diving lane, I went on his Instagram and he actually had this post, a a pretty recent post. It might be his like fifth one there. So if you want to go look it, look it up, just look up Lane Norton on Instagram and he was talking, he's like, he's like, what I can't stand about these, you know, people like Paul Saladino is that they're promoting these extreme lifestyles and they're telling people to cut out all these food groups. All this food is bad and toxic and detrimental to your health. And, and they're, and he's like the number one killer of mental health is, you know, that actually kills people is eating disorders. And so he's just like, he was talking about how, you know, Dr. Paul's like trashing on oatmeal and how, you know, when he did this post about, look, <laughs> like stop being so extreme. Like that's ridiculous that you're, you're speaking poorly about eat oatmeal when a lot of Americans use this for well-balanced, for well-balanced nutrition. And he was contacted by a person who works with people that, that have eating disorders and there was a girl that was 75 pounds. She'd wasted down to 75 pounds. And the first and the only thing that they had been able to get her to start eating was oatmeal. Then she sees Dr. Paul's posts and stops eating the oatmeal. And so, you know, it's it's stuff like that where, you know, and, and that was, again, what, one of the things that I was afraid of with starting a podcast like this. Like, I didn't want it to be polarizing or triggering to people with eating disorders, but, you know, when I realize that I'm I'm promoting balance, I'm promoting, hey, enjoy the, you know, the, the you know, the indulgent stuff, the processed foods, but also make time for some of the, the more nutritionally dense things too and, and move your body some, you know, maintain some balance in your life. That, that I think is a good message because, because of these extremes, right? There's so many extremes in today's world and it's like, Let's try to find a middle ground here where we can just live and be happy. And and anyway, so I, I, I really liked the messaging from Lane Norton. And I will read a couple of the things that he debunked at the end of this podcast just to give you some ideas on, 
on what he's on, on kind of how he approached it uh, because he was actually debunking uh, Dr. Paul on Joe Rogan's podcast. So, um, so he didn't, but he's obviously he talks about the same things about like plant toxins and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so I'll get into that at the end. But first, Mari wanted to kind of get into, well, first of all, the, one of the things in this episode was why cholesterol is a myth. And it was funny because like, I knew I was going to do this episode and I go to this breakfast, uh, this networking breakfast last week, and I'm piling my plate full of bacon. And, And every time I do it, you know, people comment around me, they're like, oh, this girl doesn't care about cholesterol. This girl doesn't care about cholesterol. Now I would like to get my blood tested. I haven't had my blood drawn in a very long time. And I would like to see like what my LDL is, what my triglycerides are. Like, I'm just curious after kind of reading, um, or reviewing this podcast, I'm like, oh, I want to get my work done and just see. So Mari started out the interview questioning fruit. She's like, okay, like let's, let's talk about some of the fruit that you've mentioned, like tomatoes. She has that, you know, pretty English accent. She's like avocados. So which, which fruits are best and why? And Paul was talking about how, you know, when we think of fruit, it's the, it's the part of the plant that the plant wants us to eat. And they're often colorful when they turn ripe. And what we find is that as fruits ripen, their plant defense chemicals lessen. He's like a green banana is very different in plant defense chemicals than a ripe yellow banana. So the plants basically tell us when they want us to eat it. And it makes sense. He's like a green banana tastes like crap. He's like a ripe mango tastes much better than an unripe mango. He's like, you can't debate that. So plants and the animal world have been communicating this way for a very long time. He's like the seed of the mango gets planted elsewhere. It has the desire to continue in life. So that's why it has, you know, the ripened fruit to tell humans, you know, when to eat it. And then the seed can go plant itself elsewhere or, or you know, it ends up finding its way back into the ground. Um, Now, side note, didn't Joel Green just talk about how the benefits of green bananas and how they have like special like probiotic qualities? Am I remembering that right? I don't know. One of my listeners is a huge Joel Green fan. So if you know the answer to that, um, DM me. But I, I swear I just heard that from Joel Green. So it's like all these like educated people just, uh, you know, just kind of contradicting each other. But Paul, Dr. Paul said that fruit is the least toxic part of the plant. Um, he said relative to things like leaves and seeds and, and even roots. And he thinks that these are the vegetables that people need to be the most careful with, you know, things like spinach and, and kale, things like potatoes. And he's like, and then there's this group of vegetables called nightshade that have been known to cause issues for people. And this is stuff like white potatoes, eggplant, tomatoes, goji berries are actually in the nightshade family. And he's like, these could cause autoimmune issues for some people like me. He's like, I think this is where, you know, I got a lot of my autoimmune issues from. He's like, but some people get acne. Other, he goes, he goes my lower back tends to get really tight. And I'm like, oh, why is my lower back so tight? You know, it could be because of the lectin, lectins. Um, he's like, I've been in this nutritional zeitgeist for over a decade now. It's a carbohydrates binding proteins. And plant leptins tend to be the most immunogenic for humans if you remove the skin and seeds that does help now it's interesting uh the the like nightshades in general it's funny because like goji berries 
I always thought, you know, those to me anyway, I always thought those were super healthy because they were a superfood. I mean, I went on this whole, for the, actually for many, many years, I've been trying to incorporate, like I looked up the most nutritionally dense foods, superfoods, and tried to just incorporate as many of those into my diet as I possibly could. Now, goji berries, I just never really liked the taste of, which is interesting. A lot of these, I, like I can't eat raw tomatoes. They taste like bile to me. So I don't like the taste of a raw tomato, but I do like the taste of a cooked tomato. I hate eggplant. Um, I don't like the texture of eggplant. It's just a terrible, mushy texture to me. So it's interesting that a lot of these foods that he just mentioned in the nightshade family, I actually just don't enjoy. I mean, I love a potato. Don't get me wrong. And nightshade, it's interesting. Nightshade, that, that term nightshade was part of this like video game I used to play as a kid. And it was used to create like a poisonous spell. So I just think that's interesting that he's kind of talking about it being toxic for some humans. I, I mean, again, who, who there's, there's going to be some credibility in what he's saying. But what Lane was saying is that he kind of cherry picks the data that he wants to talk about and doesn't look at other studies that, that could contradict some of the information he's putting out there. Anyway, Mari's like, isn't that... He, she, she, he was saying that... Um, if you remove the skin and seeds from some of these vegetables, it helps. And Mari's like, isn't that what Italians do when they cook? Don't they remove the skin and seeds from the tomatoes anyway? And Paul's like, yeah, 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 I'm Italian. And he's like, and I've made tomato sauces without the seeds or skin. And he's like, and it still seems to trigger autoimmune issues for me. He's like, but I've, I have complicated genetics. He's like, you know, my mom was Irish and German. So, you know, I, I do have that side in me along with the Sicilian side. And so Mari's like, you'd think from, you know, having that in your DNA and kind of being from that region that you, you might be okay with it, that your genetics might be um, able to handle some of that stuff because it's, it's in your, your, your history. And Paul's like, it, it is complicated. He's like, but you just have to test different things, add things, remove things from your diet just to see what triggers a response. And then Mari wanted to know exactly what fruits that, that Dr. Paul chose to consume himself. And so Dr. Paul, he's like, well, I live in Costa Rica, so I, I eat a lot of tropical fruit. He's like, it's it's just there. He's like, I, I get it at my farmer's market. So I'm lucky because I always know what's in season. He's like, I rarely go to a grocery store because I, I do like the community aspect of a farmer's market. And if I'm going to a grocery store, you know, I don't want the blueberries that have been sprayed with pesticides or the grapes that don't even naturally grow in Costa Rica. He's like, you know, we have banana, we have orange, we have some exotic fruit like mamachinos, which are like a, a rambutan or lychee. And when I'm in the States, I like to eat seasonal here. So, you know, what's enjoyable for me is, you know, I love cherries in California and and peaches and, and apricots are in season right now. So I think there's a lot of wisdom in eating locally and eating what's in season. You know, you asked about avocados and, and they're a fruit. And, and I think that they're fine. You know, plantains are also good. They're very fibrous, especially when they're cooked. And so Mari then wanted to switch topics and talk about seed oils. She's like, I reposted one of your posts the other day that was talking about switching from olive oil to avocado oil over to beef tallow and ghee or butter. 
And I've actually been doing that already because my naturopath had actually already recommended that to me. So I'd already started doing that and everything tastes so much better anyway. But when I posted it, it caused this uproar. She's like, so many people thought that avocado was great. And I just got my mom, my husband's mom to switch over from olive, you know, over to olive oil from margarine. And now I, I have to ask her to switch again. So can you explain why this switch is so important? And Paul said that, first of all, olive oil and avocado oils are going to be way better than seed oils because they're a fruit. And, you know, to get olive oil, they just press the olives. So there's no bleaching or other harsh processes to obtain that oil. But then if you look at how they make rapeseed oil or canola oil, it's, it's, it's disgusting. And, and Mari's like, I actually took a course on how it's made. She's like, it looked like tar. Um, and Dr. Paul said, seed oil is made from the seed of, of a plant. So, you know, whether that's sunflower, safflower, rapeseed oil, or corn or grain, he's like, these oils are going to be much higher in linoleic acid than animal fat or fruit oil. And I'm making these distinctions because of the way they are produced and the amount of linoleic acid in the oils. The problem with the way that these are produced is the processing, the bleaching, all all the these, you know, these different ways that they do to produce the end product. And there's residue left over in these oils. He said the animal fats only have one to two percent of linoleic acids, whereas some of these seed oils have anywhere from 10 to 55 percent linoleic acid. So if we believe that polyunsaturated fat is a problem for humans, then we want to limit it. And that's the kind of paradigm we have for seed oil. Olive oil and avocado oil have less, but the problem they have is they do still have a significant amount of linoleic acid. And you know, they're so big, they're so popular that the, that the production of these, a lot of times they're not actual oil, olive oil and avocado. You know, there's a lot of fraud where, you know, producers could be putting actual seed oils and, and mixing it into these fruit oils. And, and Mari said that olive oil has to be stored in a dark glass bottle and cold pressed organic and extra virgin to be safe on to use on a salad is that what you're saying that that you know olive oil has to have all these qualities and and Paul's like yeah you know you don't want to heat olive oil you just want to eat it raw and and Mari said and what happens to our bodies when we consume these seed oils and Paul said we we humans tend to accumulate it and he said and especially linoleic acid he said Omega-6 fatty acids are problematic for humans. Omega-3s are also unstable, but it's the omega-6s that we see the most of in our food supply because of these oils. He said, throughout our history as humans, we've never had large sources of linoleic acid. You know, maybe we could get, we could eat a few nuts if, if we could get them. But the average American eats five to seven tablespoons of seed oils per day. The amount of corn a person would have to eat to get that much linoleic acid per day is like 60 to 90 cobs of corn. And Mari's like 60 to 90 cobs is in five tablespoons is insane. And Paul then talked about Chipotle, like the restaurant, and how they use seed oil in their rice. They use a, He said they use a grain oil, and they ended up kicking us out when we were trying to film in there. 
He said they use about three tablespoons in one serving of either a bowl or a burrito. And you have to eat two pounds of rice to get that much naturally in, in your system. He's like, it's just an enormous amount of linoleic acid. And, and the fact that we store it is just bad. He goes, if people, you know, if people listening just completely were able to stop eating seed oils today, it would take two years to get all of it out of your system. And then Mari shared a story. She's like, that's why I'm so intense about what I put, what, you know, why I ask what's in my food. She said, we were just out for a birthday dinner and I requested that my steak be cooked in butter. And the waiter came back and said, the chef said that it has to be cooked at such a high temp, it has to be cooked at such a high temperature that it has to be cooked in vegetable oil but that he can finish it with butter. And I was like, first of all, that's wrong. I, I did say that in my head. I didn't say it out loud. But I'm like, God, I should have brought my own tallow. You know, there are a lot of chefs who prefer corn-fed beef because they think it tastes better and cooking in, in vegetable oil. But if I ate that meal, it would have been in my system for two years. And Paul was like, well, what's that restaurant on Abbott Kinney that uses a bunch of seed oils? I think it's Greenleaf. He goes, they cook your steak in canola oil. Like, I'm sorry, but you need to switch to tallow. I don't think that, you know, there are there's a good amount of places that don't cook in seed oils, but you have to ask. I mean, I'm not paying $80 for a steak and have it cooked in seed oils. And Mari's like, what is the best way for people to avoid seed oils when they're eating out or traveling? And Paul, Dr. Paul said, I actually have a friend who started an app called um, Seed Oil Scout. You know, or or if you don't want to get that app, you can just ask you can just ask the chef. He's like, if if enough people ask, then restaurant owners will start to wise up. He's like, sometimes though, if if people say they cook in tallow, you have to ask if they add anything else to it. He's like, for example, I went to Smashburger recently and they say they cook their smash fries in tallow. Oh my God, I love smash fries. I was like, oh, he's mentioned Smashburger, my favorite place. Anyway, um, but that is interesting that that Smashburger does use some tallow. Um, but he and Dr. Paul was like, oh, that's so great that they cook their smash fries in tallow. Uh, and then, but he said he, he actually had a listener that DM'd him and said that they had contacted Smashburger corporate office and found that they actually use a mixture of canola oil with tallow. And Mari's like, well, that defeats the whole purpose. And, and Paul's like, Dr. Paul's like, McDonald's actually used to cook their French fries in tallow until like 1990. And, and Mari asked, is tallow more expensive? Is it like becoming the, like a fancy health food now? And Paul, and Dr. Paul's like, oh yeah. He's like, it, it is much more expensive. You know, when there's huge fields of rapeseeds being grown very inexpensively, then, you know, people, people turn to that to save a buck. And, and there's also a hypothesis that all these rapeseed plants that are growing in Canada are actually destroying the bee populations. You know, they're spraying them with pesticides and that's moving the bees out of the area. So it's, so it's a huge problem on every level. He's like, it's, it's a polyunsaturated fat. It's much less stable. It oxidizes very quickly. And because membranes break down much more easily, with seed oils, it can cause issues. You know, the membranes of our cells in our mitochondria get filled with this linoleic acid and it causes levels in mitochondria uh, to rise. It causes, excuse me, issues at the cellular signaling level. 
He said the reason that doctors like seed oils is because they lower LDL levels. And on the Harvard Diet Pyramid, it says choose vegetable oils. Now, they do say olive too, which is great, but they say choose canola oil, choose vegetable oil over animal fats. And and Mari's like, at what point did, did doctors start telling people that, that these seed oils were healthy? And Paul's like, well, if you go back to the metrics we're using, if the goal is to lower your LDL as much as possible, it looks like canola is better for you. But there are studies that show that if you lower the LDL in your body, or at least in circulation with a seed oil, you also increase the amount of oxidized LDL. And the oxidized LDL is associated with cardiovascular disease. So lowering LDL is just not the best metric for lowering cardiovascular disease. And, and Mari asked, well, you have a super high LDL yourself, right? And Paul's like, well, the last time I looked, I was pretty high. It was like somewhere around 160 to 139. And look, a lot of doctors would have recommended that I go on a statin. You know, I have a father with a history of heart disease. I'm in my 40s. But what most doctors are missing is that my HDL is high, my triglycerides are low, my fasting insulin is low. So this myopic focus on LDL to me is so misguided. He's like, it's a very poor predictor of cardiovascular disease. I think the evidence that LDL is directly injurious to the arteries is just not there. So after he talked about this, I actually was curious to look up like what increases triglyceride levels. And what it said on what I read was while the food you can eat, while the food you eat can have a major impact on your triglyceride levels, lesser known factors such as how much you sleep, how much alcohol you drink, and even your stress level can also affect it. He said there's not enough evidence to call these direct causes of high triglycerides, says Andrew Freeman, MD, a cardiologist at National Jewish Health in Denver. He said, but they are contributing players. When you have high triglycerides, they tend to be, there tend to be other lifestyle factors going on, like poor diet and exercise, stress, maybe not sleeping well, and they all take a, a toll on cardiovascular health, but are seldom recognized. Um, I can see that. I mean, they always say that stress is a killer. That's why a lot of people have heart attacks. So that makes sense. That's kind of why I want to get my <laughs> blood work done because, like, I don't think I – I think I eat enough, like, olive oil to combat some of the, the bad fat that I eat. So I, I would imagine that my LDL is fairly normal. But I wonder because of my stress level and how much anxiety I have, I wonder if my triglycerides are are elevated. So – I would like to see that. Anyway, getting back to the podcast, Mari was like, just to summarize the cholesterol discussion. So you're saying we shouldn't be as worried about high LDL because I think a lot of people, when you say you're eating an animal-based diet, you know, where you eat a lot of eggs, you know, a lot of people respond. The first response is like, what about your cholesterol? Um, just like I did when I eat my bacon. <laughs> so Paul's like, it's a it's a predicated notion. Uh, it's a, it's predicated on the notion that LDL is causing uh, atherosclerosis, and I think that's false. And that is the buildup of fats, cholesterol, and other substances in and are and on the artery walls. A buildup of cholesterol plaque in the wall of arteries causing obstruction of blood flow. That's what that um, atherosclerosis is. 
Then Dr. Paul said, it's just such a nuanced conversation, metabolic health, etc. There's so many contributing factors for cardiovascular health besides LDL. Food that raises your LDL like red meat isn't an issue if it also improves your metabolic health. You know, I don't worry about people eating red meat, even if they're a diabetic. The nutrients in the red meat are so high, and it's not making you more insulin resistant. You know, it's not making your diabetes worse. Just get rid of the seed oils and other junk. And and so Mari then said that Greg and I order our meat from a place called Force of Nature. What would you recommend for people who don't have access to a local farm or Erewhon? You know, where should they get their red meat? And Paul's like, well, Force of Nature is great. It's high quality products. You know, if people want raw milk, there's a website called realmilk.com. And that's like a, uh, a, there's a, it's basically like a Google Maps for where you can find raw milk. And, um, and then Mari's like, well, what about organs? I've been on my organ journey. I have a chunk of frozen liver every morning and I had it today and I feel amazing. But when I swallow it, like I, it, I, it just hits my mouth and I just taste blood and it's disgusting, but the benefits outweigh it for me. You know, I feel so much more energy. It's a feeling of being alive. I know that sounds dramatic, but And Dr. Paul's like, it's true. You know, I have nieces and nephews that are three to five years old. And if you start early, they'll love it. But if they haven't had it by the time they're two or three, they've had so many other things on their palate that they're, they're just so unlike liver that it's going to be very difficult. You know, when I tried it the first time I gagged, you can, you can hide it in a smoothie, but I started a company where there's organs in capsules. So it's just a little bit easier. Um... And there's actual beef organs in the capsule that I make. And they put it in the shake that I make for Erewhon, actually. And and Mari's like, yeah, the capsules you make are probably a good place for people to start. Um, if they're, you know, it's a good place for people to start if they're just getting started with their organ journey. And Paul's like, well, we have one for women, women that has ovaries and uterus and fallopian tubes. It's kind of interesting. We have another one for men that has testicle in it. Mm, Got to get those capsules. If anybody's interested in it, it is a, I, I don't want to hold back from naming it. I just don't want to pr- promote it over and over and over again because Dr. Paul does use fear mongering to sell his products. So it is heart and soul if, if anybody or heart and soil or something. Um, but anyway, just getting back to the podcast. So Mari's like, I've actually, (laughs) she said, I've actually eaten testicle with liver king, not to brag, but I have to ask you since we're, since you're here, we're in the blooms office and blooms are greens and it's a product that I make and I know you're against greens. So what are your thoughts on my products? Now, I have to say, this is a very interesting thing that Mari has her own greens company, her own plant-based powders that are that enable people to get their, their leafy greens in easier. And here, Dr. Paul's speaking against those leafy greens. So I, I do think that's a really, like, kudos to Mari for having Dr. Paul on, even though like the risk is that he would trash her products. And and I think there's low risk, like when you're a guest of someone, you don't want to be rude to them. 
so anyway, I think it's pretty daring that she asked about her own product line on her own podcast. I mean, I think that that's, that's it's pretty bold, especially when you have someone that, that you know, vehemently opposes plant-based diets. So Paul said, I've said it before, there are nutrients in plant foods. He goes, my concern is that some people could be sensitive to certain leaves and that could cause an issue. But if you don't have a problem, then great. He's like combining bloom with heart and soil could be a lot of nutrients. And Mari's like, I love that response. And and duh, I mean, plants are obviously nutrient-based. It's It's like plants for most people. I mean, Dr. Lee that I was just, ha- you know, reviewing the other day that I really like his science and he's a, he's a renowned scientist. He was talking about the benefits of a plant-based diet. Not all plants, not, you know, meat, not, but, you know, plant dense. And, and again, and finally he said it, like, if you're not having issues, plants are, are very nutritious and, I, I do get what he's saying. Like if you're having gut issues, if you're having some sort of gastrointestinal issue or some sort of autoimmune response, then yes, look at what you're consuming and start to eliminate things and try to get to the bottom of it. But to to spout out all these these things about plant defense chemicals and how they're toxic and it's it's like for the majority of people, they probably won't have any issues. So it is interesting how that kind of gets into your psyche. Like as I was making my superfood smoothie today, I'm like putting in my 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 spinach, my frozen spinach, and I'm like almost feeling like, oh, is this? Good? I'm like Veronica. Yes, this is great for you. Like I thrive on this superfood smoothie shake that I make all the time, and I'm not going to have Doctor Paul in my head thinking, oh, am I getting toxic chemicals into my system because I'm eating this frozen spinach? It's like no, just freaking eat the whole food spinach shake that you just made. That's really, really healthy and nutritious for you. Anyway, so but it is. I, I do think that there does have to be like you know, warnings here. Like this is not, this is something to take with a grain of salt. What he is talking about is very extreme and it's one way of looking at nutrition and it's one way of looking at an approach to a diet plan. It's, it's definitely not for everybody. And so Paul's like, you know, or combine your blooms with liver or meat. He's like, that's great. You know, if you don't have a reaction, then, you know, that's kind of how I am with anything. You know, vegetables are not public enemy number one. I think for people that are really struggling, that are dialed in and are trying to figure things out, you know, should look at vegetables and mushrooms and the nuance of them. You know, eating some kale and broccoli is not going to kill you. Um, Seed oils are probably public enemy number one. If I had to rank them processed food in general, He's like, they have a lot of fillers and artificial chemicals and additives and all the gums. He's like, and I'm learning, what I'm learning is processed foods adds, adds a lot of, of, you know, chemicals and compounds that are problematic. A lot of binders and chemicals that can inflame the gut, like heavy metals when you process it too much. You know, and for a lot of people, it's fine to eat vegetables from time to time. But if you have issues and they're not being solved, then think about the vegetables. Like I think about kale, I think about spinach, which is high in oxalates. 
You can ferment your vegetables and make them even less problematic, like cabbage. You know, if you ferment it, then it becomes, you know, it lessens the problematic parts of the cabbage. It's so crazy how he's talking about, he's like, oh, eating kale and broccoli isn't the worst thing you can do. It's like, are you serious? This is so crazy. Like, I feel great eating vegetables. In fact, I don't feel complete if I don't have vegetables in my day. Like, I feel very off kilter and off balance. Vegetables do really, really well for my system. Now, Chad, my boyfriend, he is, he asks for dishes without the vegetables (laughs) and for a long time, I was like, you know, for, for when I first started dating him, you know, because I was so scared of his cancer coming back, I was like, you know, I'd watch this documentary on the harms of meat and I'm like, we need to get out all the meat and you, you know, but then he started eating like these processed vegetarian, uh, you know, fake meatballs. And I, I honestly think that that's not as good for him as eating just real meat. So, so he's back to eating you know, full protein and, and doing high, because he, he also was trying to lose weight before Europe. And, and he's always said like vegetables don't work well with my system, you know, because he had colon cancer and he has all these stomach problems, like the roughage and the fiber. He's like, it's not good for me. And I'm done trying to like, like, I don't know what's best for his, with, for his body. I don't know what's best for his genetic profile. I don't know what's best to prevent his cancer from coming back. I mean, certainly I think the less processed foods, always the better. I think the the more you can lessen processed foods, great, and eat more whole foods and, and full protein and all that good stuff. I do think that that's you know, just a really basic thing that can be done. But I'm not going to sit here and try to get him to eat more vegetables. You know, I used to try to get him to eat some of my superfood smoothie every day, and he hated it. <laughs> he literally hated it. And, and I, I finally stopped. I'm like, I'm not going to try to like force feed him these things that he clearly doesn't like. And I do think that there is something to, if you don't like something, like they actually say it in cannabis, like the terpene profile, like these, these chemicals that enhance the medicinal qualities of the plant. Like if you smell a plant, like a cannabis plant, and it's like, oh, it smells really good to you. The, the science says that that, that chemical makeup is probably going to be a good fit for your body. Whereas if you hate the smell of a certain cannabis plant, most likely that profile won't work as well with your system. And I think potentially that could be true for other food groups as well. So I'm, I'm done kind of trying to impose things on Chad. Um, and so I, I think we all need to kind of figure out what works for us. And, and he believes that, you know, that, that, more just protein works for him and less vegetables does. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try to push my beliefs on him at all anymore. So again, because I don't know that I'm right for his genetic makeup anyway. So, so then Mari was like, I think of these bloom greens as a way, uh, as like a bridge to wellness. She's like, I started this company when I was on the far end of the wellness spectrum. You know, I was eating muffins every day and living just a super unhealthy lifestyle. And I just needed something that could help take me to that healthier lifestyle. You know, something that you can incorporate every day that tastes good so that you can take it to the next level and just start learning more about your body. And Paul's like, I know a significant amount of people that eat a lot of vegetables and they're very healthy. I'm glad that he said that. I do like that he finally said that. He goes, but think about how you cook them. 
He's like, think about organic and the pesticides residue on them. It's the non-fruit part of the plant that are that are the worst. Like I think grain and oats, wheat are more problematic, you know, seeds and nuts. So if you're going to cut some things out, those would probably be the first to get out. You know, then leafy greens, roots, you know, just some people have problems with those things like, you know, white potato, certainly, but sweet potato probably is not the worst thing in the world for you. And, you know, people react to all kinds of things. I mean, people do have reactions to eggs. You know, I know a lot of people that just can't tolerate eggs, you know, full eggs and have to go just to eat egg whites. You know, I know people that have had a reaction to beef and they had to switch to lamb. Like, finally, he's saying that because there are a lot of people that have bad, bad, bad reactions to animal products. Um, you know, I had a woman that was trying to find a vegan gummy because just regular collagen gelatin in, you know, animal-based collagen gelatin was, would set their, their, their autoimmune issues off or their, their health condition off. So it can work both ways. And he finally said that animals can be problematic too. So he said, I think what I'm trying to get across is that a lot of things have been told to us about things that are healthy and some of them are not necessarily healthy for everybody. And I think that that's very true. You know, that is true, right? Just like he's saying that all animal is good. It's not good for everybody. Just like all plant, you know, plant-based people, vegan people, that's not going to work for everybody. Mari said, you know, for someone who's listening, who might be too intimidated by an extreme lifestyle, they can't get full into the carnivore. What is the key take, what is a key takeaway you want them to, to have from this conversation? And Paul said, I think the first step in my mind is to get rid of the processed foods. And that's been said by lots of people. You know, I I always struggle to figure out how to say what I want to say in a way that's going to actually have an impact. You know, I think people could reverse some of the issues they're having. Um, Even mental health issues get better when people are improving the quality of their diet. You know, depression, anxiety tends to improve. Also, autoimmune tends to improve. You know, just increase the quality of the foods that you're eating. You know, eat more meat, eat more vegetables, eat more fruit, and you will be healthier. You know, reduce seed oils by reducing the product processed foods. You know, you don't have to be super strict. Just start cutting out processed foods, then add more meat in, add more organs in. You know, I did do full carnivore in the past, and it didn't work for me. You know, there was an, there was an electrolyte, electrolyte issue. And what I talk about now is being more animal-based in contradiction to plant-based so that, you know, you have some, some meat, some milk, some fruit, you know, maybe a sweet potato or something. And it's a bit more in the middle ground. So hopefully that can be a ramp, uh, you know, an on-ramp for someone. And he's saying this, he's like, cut out the processed food. That for some people is really, really hard. And it depends on the way that you were raised. You know, this guy is so extreme and he was raised by doctors. You know, he was probably raised very rigid himself. And so he's able to have these rigid ways of eating because he just grew up differently than someone that grew up on processed foods with with no rigidness and soda. And it's just we're, we struggle and we we are drawn to the foods and have cravings for the foods that we grew up on. So, you know, I think that him just saying, you know, oh, just cut out the processed foods. Well, that, you know, I know when I have no prospect of anything like 
you know, like my cupcake glass. I was like, I get depressed. I get a little bit like, oh, there's nothing good, you know, delicious to eat after my, you know, my salad with, with my protein on it. Like I want something indulgent. And, and again, I, I personally need that balance. That's why this extreme way that he talks just does not work for me personally. Um, and then, but I do think that giving small tips, like I like that Mari asked, like, what's a takeaway? What's, what's a baby step where somebody could start along this journey just to, to improving some stuff. And even if it's just, you know, I think, I think what, what helps people is to think, what can I add in versus what can I take away? Right. And if people just incorporate more whole foods, right. And not, and not think about cutting out processed foods, but just adding in more whole foods, maybe they just won't have enough room to fit in as many processed foods. And that can be a natural way of cutting down on processed foods without even really consciously doing that, but just trying to incorporate more whole foods. So, um, I do think that baby steps are important. Small, short, attainable goals to build a self-esteem are really, really important in anything that we do. So Mari then had some questions about Keo, but she's going to save them. Um, she did want to ask about like what the pursuit of wellness means for him, because the pursuit of wellness is a little bit different for everybody. And so she asked him what what wellness means to him. And Dr. Paul said it means getting up after having slept really well, feeling good and happy and excited to do the things in the world, uh, whether it's interact with nature, spend time with friends who do work that brings value into people's lives, you know, mental clarity, mental fortitude, having enthusiasm to live life well and do things I find valuable. And and then they, they kind of end chatting a little bit more and you know, he starts talking about the harms of all the linoleic acid buildup in our skin. And, and, but then conveniently, he's starting a skincare line. So, you know, all the people that have the fear that he put into them about all the linoleic acid building up in their skin can now start buying his skincare products and, and be, live a better life. So again, that's, that's the big issue that I have with him is, is the fear mongering to sell stuff. And, and Lane Norton said the exact same thing. So the things that were kind of giving me, like, I like some of the science he talks about. And I, I do think it gives you some things to think about. But also, I don't, I, like, I had a little bit of an ick. And I'm like, where, what is that ick? It's, it's really the fear-based way he's promoting things and, and speaking of things. And, and I absolutely, I never even thought about the eating disorder situation until Lane brought it up. And that's so true. Like, that's why there are so many people, you know, talking about that anti-diet approach and, you know, trying to get people to just be easy and give themselves grace when it comes to food choices, because we have so much stress anyway in life. It's like no need to keep beating ourselves up for things that we put in our mouths. But anyway, I, I, I do think overall that doing things that work for you to improve wellness is important doing things that, you know, do bring you good mental health, whether that's cutting out the cupcake or eating the cupcake. <laughs> so, uh, and, and my final thoughts were, God, imagine being in a romantic relationship with him. Oh, no, thank you. Like I need someone I can go eat with, like eat delicious food with. That would be so boring to be in a relationship with a guy that's like, and if you, I mean, personally, when I look at them, he's too lean. 
I mean, he looks a little emaciated in my opinion, but that's, I like, I like some meat on someone, you know? I mean, now Lane, Lane has some meat on his body. I mean, go look at, go look at him. He looks, he definitely looks a lot healthier than Dr. Paul. His skin's better. I don't know. I think having a little bit more fat in your diet, whether, you know, and, and maybe some processed foods is a good thing. Anyway, so I just wanted to bring up a couple of the debunking. So, so on, um, on biolane.com. So that's Lane Norton's website where he publishes a lot of research articles and it's all science-based information. And he said, I'm just going to read some of this. He said, recently, Paul Saladano, a psychiatrist and a proponent of the carnivore diet appeared on Joe Rogan's podcast. I have previously debated Saladino and found that he liked to cherry pick his evidence, focus on weak mechanistic data and ignore large volumes of evidence counter to his bias. Plants make defense chemicals known as phytoalexins. These compounds are toxic. Therefore, we should eat an animal-based diet. Reality. According to this argument, because plants might produce toxins that produce that provide defense against predation, uh, we should eat animals and not plants to avoid these toxins. The problem with this argument is similar to the previous. Does this mean all herbivores should become carnivores? No, because many herbivores would die on a carnivorous diet. It follows that you can't determine an optimal diet by the fact that plants have defense chemicals or not. Through scientific observation, however, you can discern the kind of diet on which each species best thrives. Note that while many plant compounds are toxic, in quotes, many compounds in meat are also toxic, especially to herbivores. For example, a dog can eat a lot of cholesterol without ill effect. Rabbits, on the other hand, will rapidly develop heart disease when fed even modest quantities of cholesterol. This is because the compounds in meat are as disruptive to biological homeostasis as compounds in any other food. And then... One other thing that he put here was the the question of what if these plant chemicals are not good for us? Um, they affect thyroid, androgen, sex hormones, make you have diarrhea, nausea, or kill you. So this was another one, another claim that Dr. Paul made that, that did carry over to this kind of Mari Llewellyn's podcast. The reality, as debunked by Lane, says that that which can be asserted without evidence can be dismissed without evidence. Where is the evidence that these plant compounds can kill you? Where is the evidence that they affect thyroid? Yes, you can find individual compounds in plants that, when isolated in high doses, may affect the thyroid. An examination of the liter literature on actual whole plant consumption shows that people who suffer from thyroiditis may consume fewer plants and more animal fat. So... I'm going to end on that. There was a lot more. If you want to read through Lane Norton's, go to biolane.com. He has it on there where he debunks uh, all, a lot of Dr. Paul Saladino's claims. And so that's that's always the trick, right? There's science on both sides of, of issues often. And so it's kind of like, well, what science do you want to look at, right? There's so many harms about cannabis. And for a long time, the government only, only paid for research that pointed to harms. 
You know, when I met a scientist who used to work for NASA at a cannabis conference, and she said they hired me to do research finding the harms of cannabis. She said, and all I could find were benefits. And she said, and that's when I, when I switched and I stopped doing research for the government and I started becoming a cannabis scientist. And so, you know, I, I take a lot of information with a grain of salt. I like looking at both sides of the issue. Again, it's all about balance, baby. It's all about a balanced approach. And you got, you do have to kind of like do your own research and find what is, what works for you. And so I did want to kind of pose both sides because I felt like, I don't know, I just felt a little uneasy about doing that original podcast and and just wanting to make sure that I was really looking at both sides of the issue. So this one went a little long today. I hope you enjoyed it. My next uh, podcast is going to be a Craving More episode. So if you'd like to subscribe, go to the link in my Instagram bio at uh, the Diet Obsessed Podcast. Um, and if you want to follow me on Facebook, I'm at the diet obsessed. You can go to my website, uh, the dietobsessed.com. Feel free to DM me if you have any ideas for shows, uh, please leave a review for this podcast. A review means everything. It's huge, huge, huge. Just like leaving us a tip. So, um, if you don't want to subscribe to craving more, please leave me a review. And until we meet again, I hope all of you have a very balanced week.